This is FM 100.5, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-host is Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We also thank our producer, Nick Coyne. Most of all, we thank you for listening. In our Call to Conviction segment, we will highlight the important role of our 911 dispatchers. 911 dispatchers are the lifeline that links us all to our emergency responders. To help bring their role into even clearer focus, I will play three Rutherford County 911 calls. You will hear firsthand the dedication and professionalism of our 911 dispatchers. But the quality that will stand out the most is their ability to remain focused despite the overwhelming pressure. Then in our What's the Law segment, former District Attorney General Bill Weitzel will have a special guest. 911 dispatcher Sherry Nipper will discuss with Bill the many roles and the various responsibilities of the 911 dispatcher. In our Cold Case Profile segment, we will be asking for your help in solving a mystery. It is the 1980 murder of the retired postmaster of Christiana, Tennessee, Fred Wiggs. We will begin the broadcast after you listen to these important messages. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas' chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at DemasFamilyKitchen.com. If you could use a little more tranquility in your life, 
and let's be honest, after the last year we all could, then consider a home aquarium. Multiple studies have shown that aquariums reduce stress, elevate mood, and lower blood pressure. Here at Animal City, we have all the supplies and knowledge needed to create your own aquatic oasis. This is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. We are happy to put our 30 years of pet experience to work for you. 919 Northwest Broad Street, Call to conviction. Time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime, the investigation, to the prosecution. From August of 1995 until September of 2020, I was an assistant district attorney for the 16th Judicial District of Tennessee. During that 25-year period, I tried many cases. Most of my trials were cases involving murder. During that 25-year period, I never failed to obtain a conviction. I say that with great humility because I recognize that my trial record was not mine alone. I tried very few cases alone. It was a true team effort, and I always had the support of professional and dedicated law enforcement officers. It was law enforcement officers and other witnesses who provided me with the facts. My job was to simply present those facts to a jury in an effective, professional, and persuasive manner. I followed many maxims when I tried a case. One of the most important maxims was make the crime real to the jury. A valuable tool that I often used to make the crime real was the 911 call. On today's broadcast, I will play three 911 calls for you. I have chosen these three because they clearly demonstrate how the 911 call helps to make the crime real. Before we play an edited version of the 911 tapes, a word of caution. Some may find the tapes uncomfortable or even upsetting. The tapes contain violence. The tapes contain extreme human emotion. We recommend that the tapes should not be heard by children or anyone who might be emotionally distressed by their content. Listener discretion is advised. This is the background for the 911 call you will hear in just a few minutes. Our location is the 6800 block of Burke's Hollow Road in the farmland community of Rutherford County, Tennessee. It is the home of Kevin Barrett. The date is July the 25th, 2011. Regina Flowers, who was Kevin Barrett's girlfriend, had just arrived at Barrett's home. Kevin Barrett was not inside the home. He was working in the fields, and there were two men 
who were hiding in the woods. Regina Flowers was only there a short time when the door suddenly flew open and two men wearing black hoods over their faces rushed inside. The men were armed with a rifle. They struggled with Regina Flowers. She was thrown to the floor, kicked and choked. Her hands and feet were tied. She was bleeding from the head. When she began to cry, they put tape over her mouth. The two men did not leave. They were waiting for Kevin Barrett to return home. Regina Flowers had been helped for over an hour when Kevin Barrett did return. As Kevin Barrett opened the kitchen door, one of the two men fired a shot that struck Kevin Barrett in the hand. Kevin Barrett tries to get away. As he is running outside, a second shot is fired, striking Kevin Barrett in the shoulder. He falls in the driveway. A third shot is fired, this one to the head of Kevin Barrett. The two men then decide it is time to flee. They steal Kevin Barrett's Chevy Silverado and Regina Flowers' Dodge Durango. Regina Flowers quickly unties herself and goes outside. There, she finds the lifeless body of 45-year-old Kevin Barrett. Regina Flowers calls 911. After an intensive investigation, based largely on information initially provided by Flowers on the 911 call, 21-year-old Aaron Walker and 20-year-old John Lemondola are arrested for the brutal and the horrific murder of Kevin Barrett. At the preliminary hearing, I played the 911 call for the court. And now you're about to hear that call yourself. Before we play the call, a word of warning. Some listeners may find the call disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. 911 emergency. Six eight one one. Um, um, Berkeley Hollow Road. He's been robbed before, and the police came, and these guys—they were just uh, and they shot him. He's dead. All right, ma'am. What road are you on? Six. His address is six eight one one. Berkeley Hollow Road. Berkeley Hollow Road. And he's dead. Okay, ma'am, are you on the Rutherford County side of Burks Hollow? Yeah, oh my God! Okay, what is your name? Okay, Regina Flowers. They they took my Durango. It's a red Durango. They took his uh, 2000. Um, they took his 2000 uh, Chevrolet 1500 silver. Oh my God, he's on July the 3rd, 2013, Aaron Walker and John Lamondola were indicted by the Rutherford County Grand Jury for the murder and robbery of Kevin Barrett and the kidnapping and robbery of Regina Flowers. On October the 24th, 2014, John Lamondola entered his pleas of guilty to the following charges on the charge of conspiracy. Lamondola received a six-year sentence, and on the charge of especially aggravated kidnapping, 
Lamondola received a 20-year sentence. On July the 30th, 2014, in the courtroom of Judge David Bragg, Aaron Walker entered four pleas of guilty. He pled guilty to conspiracy and received a three-year sentence. He also pled guilty to aggravated robbery and especially aggravated kidnapping. Walker was sentenced to 15 years for each of those crimes. And Walker pled guilty to the first-degree murder of Kevin Barrett. And he was sentenced to life in prison. Information obtained from the 911 call provided the leads that enabled the quick arrest and certain conviction of the two suspects. And throughout the criminal justice process, the 911 tape made everyone experience the horror of the two victims and to feel the cold, vicious, and brutal acts of terror committed by the two defendants and the 911 recording wherever it was heard made the crime real for all of us when we return we continue our focus on how the 911 calls help to make the crime real this is J Paul Newman and you are listening to the action line on WGNS. This is Chip Walters, and I'll have Middle Tennessee football and basketball games for you right here. MTSU Sports on WGNS AM, FM, online. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. We're talking with Glenn King, and you're a World War II veteran. During World War II, it's different than any of the other wars that we've had since. The youth of America couldn't wait until they're old enough to enlist in the armed forces. And the war was coming to an end, and I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. How old were you when you actually enlisted? Barely 17. You also served in Korea as well. The big thing that I remember during the Korean War, I was assigned to a Marine Corps fighter squadron, VMF-144. There were two very important people there that were left over from World War II. They thought there would never be another war, so after the war ended, since they were pilots, they would stay in the reserve and once a month have a lot of fun flying the fighter planes around. They were two baseball players. One was Jerry Coleman, and then the other one was Ted Williams. You got to meet Ted Williams. Yes. What, what was he like? Very personal. You know, he was an officer and I was enlisted, so we didn't get to mingle with each other. Ted Williams was a fighter pilot in World War II. During the Korean War, Ted Williams was the wingman for John Glenn. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. 
Have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Veteran and locally owned, fast and available 24-7. Restoration One offers preventative maintenance so that you never have to experience a loss like this again. Restoration One, the water damage experts. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. We welcome you back to the broadcast as we present part two of From Call to Conviction and how the 911 calls help to make the crime real. Our next 911 recording comes from the 2008 Old Charlie's Robbery and the murder of Nader Bomanziari. The night of February the 2nd, 2008, the Old Charlie's Restaurant on Memorial Boulevard in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, was robbed. The old Charlie's manager, Nader Bomanziari, was shot and killed. During the robbery and before he died, Nader Bomanziari was able to call 911. Mr. Bomanziari had locked himself in the office. On the 911 tape, you will hear the robber yelling, Open the door! and you will hear the robber trying to kick the door open. You will also hear the robber shooting twice. One of those shots killed Nader Bomanziari. Antonio Alexander was soon developed as a suspect, and within days, Antonio Alexander was charged with the robbery of the O'Charlie's restaurant and the murder of Nader Bomanziari. During Antonio Alexander's trial, I played the 911 tape for the jury. In just a moment, I will play the tape for you. The tape is violent and emotional. Listener discretion is advised. Somebody out there. 911 emergency. Hello? Get somebody out to 1006 Memorial Boulevard, Old Charlie. He said, open the door, open the door. I don't know what it is. Get this one. Get this one. Pick it up. On July 26, 2010, Antonio Alexander was convicted by a Rutherford County jury of attempted aggravated robbery, especially aggravated kidnapping, second-degree murder, first-degree felony murder, especially aggravated robbery, and reckless endangerment. The jury sentenced Antonio Alexander to life without the possibility of parole for the murder 
of Nader Bamanziari. And the Honorable Judge, Don Ash, sentenced Antonio Alexander to a consecutive 90-year sentence for the remaining counts. Under this sentence, Antonio Alexander will spend the rest of his life in prison. The 911 tape made the crime real for the jury and played a prominent and decisive role in the conviction of Antonio Alexander. Our final 911 call is one that truly makes the crime real. The call comes from the 2011 murder of Kim Coleman. But first, I will provide you with the following background information. All of the events that you are about to hear occurred at a home located in the 400 block of Tufnell Drive in Laverne, Tennessee. It is the late afternoon of August the 7th, 2011. The home is the residence of Kimberly Burke. Present at the home was Kimberly Burke and her best friend, Kim Coleman. Kim Coleman was there because Miss Burke had called her, and she told her that she feared her ex-husband, Kenny Thomason, would violate Burke's order of protection and come to her home that night. Later that evening, and without warning, Kenny Thomason appears at Kim Burke's home. As he is approaching the front porch steps, Kim Coleman sees Kenny Thomason. She acts quickly. She tells Kimberly Burke to stay inside the house, and Kim Coleman takes a stand on the front porch to keep Kenny Thomason outside and away from Kimberly Burke. Kim Coleman also grabbed her phone and calls the police. The 911 call was recorded. At the trial of the State of Tennessee versus Kenny Thomason, I played the 911 recording for the jury. When listening to the tape, the jury heard Kenny Thomason as he approached the front door. The jury heard Kim Coleman telling Kimberly Burke to stay inside the home. The jury heard Kim Coleman tell Kenny Thomason that he was not getting inside the house and that she had 911 on the phone and that the police would know if he heard her. Sadly, the last thing the jury heard were the screams of Kim Coleman as she was being stabbed to death by Kenny Thomason. What you are about to hear is the tape recording of Kim Coleman's 911 call to the police. Please be warned, this is a recording of a violent murder. Listener discretion is advised. 911, location of your emergency? Yeah, um, 1420 Tough Nail. 1420 Tough Nail? Yeah, what's going on, ma'am? Um... Ex-husband is here. Who is uh? Is he outside? Huh? Is he outside? Yeah, right here. Okay. So is he in the is he in the house? No. Okay. He is outside. Hold on, just stay on line with me. 
Okay, ma'am, I've got an officer en route. Where exactly outside is he right now? Right outside. Pardon me? Right outside. Right outside. Does he know you're calling, please? Yeah. Okay. Is he, is he armed or do you know? I don't believe so. Okay. Is he on the front porch? Pretty much. Okay, what is, can you, you can't talk, can you? Not really. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's thing I've ever done in my life. I understand. And can he, so you, uh, he is standing outside. Is he going to be on the porch area? Yeah. Front porch? Okay. Yeah. I can't believe you have done this to your wife, Kenny. I am so disappointed. My son is crying at home because I had to come out here to help him today because he is so upset with you and worried about him. You haven't done anything, Kenny? You have cheated on her. You have lied. And that is nothing. If you would have come clean and told her the truth, this would have all been over and done with. Okay, well, half your life is a lie, and you just need to go. Kim, go inside. Go inside. I'm just going to listen, ma'am. I'm not going to put you in a position where you have to answer any questions at all. Okay. But just leave the line open where I can, I can hear. Okay. He's right here. I left my children and my husband to come out here and take care of because of you came back here. Oh, you've done a lot, and you, I don't want to talk to you. Go. No, you, 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 too late, too little, too late. Kenny, I'm not even wasting another breath on you. She ain't your baby girl no more. She's divorced. No. She ain't your baby girl. No, you lied and lied and lied to her for how many years? Oh, you are so, you don't even know what the truth is. Obviously, I don't know you at all. Because you've lied for ever since the day you met her. No, You're lying right now. Keep it going. Keep it talking. You are not getting this house. And if you get this house, 911 is on the phone, and they're going to know that you've hurt him. In June of 2012, the Rutherford County Grand Jury indicted Kenny Thomason for the murder of Kim Coleman. The case was assigned to the court of Judge David Bragg. Kenny Thomason was represented by Rutherford County Assistant Public Defenders Sean Williams and Jeff Burton. The prosecution team consisted of District Attorney General William C. Weitzel, Jr., and Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. The trial began on May the 20th, 2013. After three days of listening to witnesses, the jury began their deliberations. On May the 23rd, 2013, after less than two hours of deliberation, the jury returned with their verdict. The jury found Kenny Thomason guilty of the first-degree murder of Kim Coleman. Their verdict carried with it an automatic sentence of life in prison. Kenny Thomason is now serving that sentence in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. As we close this segment, I pay tribute to Kevin Barrett, Nader Bamanziari, and Kim Coleman. They will forever remain in our memory. And I want to thank those 911 dispatchers 
whose professionalism and expert training, coupled with their inborn sense of caring and decency, help to make these crimes real to all of us. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Partial sunshine develops here for this afternoon with a high in the low 50s. Winds out of the northeast of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy and a low near 30. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 37. We are News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. In our Look at the Law segment. General Weitzel will discuss the role of the police dispatcher in our criminal justice system. His guest will be Murfreesboro 911 dispatcher, Sherry Nippers. What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. We'd like to welcome Sherry Nippers to our program today. And Ms. Nippers, you're employed by the Murfreesboro Police Department as a dispatcher. And tell us how long you've worked there and the training that you uh, undertook to become a dispatcher. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Um, I have been a dispatcher for the city of Murfreesboro for 15 years. In the beginning, a dispatcher goes through um, several steps of training. It requires seven to eight months. Um, You have to learn how to speak to the public. You have to know the right questions to ask. You have to be able to multitask. You have to listen to more than one conversation. You have to listen to your party on the phone as well as your radio traffic such as your police officers and then once you graduate from that program and become a full-time dispatcher you uh, continue to train yearly you go to classes and uh, I know that a big part of your job involves uh, listening and and there's a difference between hearing and listening and you certainly have to be a good listener I recall when I first came to the DA's office back in the day that was when there was just radio communication. Explain how, over the years, the technology's changed and what what you're looking at when you're actually in the dispatch arena. When you're in the dispatch arena, first the first thing that comes to your mind is you have five monitors, uh, five computer screens. You have a telephone system. Um, you are always constantly looking for updates even if you're on the phone you're listening to the police officer in the background or you're listening to the firefighter in the background you may be on the phone with somebody that's child is not breathing and you have a first responder and you time is the essence you can't simply just turn off and say well this is what's happening you have to update your radio dispatcher immediately the child is now breathing 
the child has stopped completely breathing, whatever the situation may be, because seconds count in everybody's life. And and I know uh, I learned early on as a prosecutor from from discussing uh, situations with law enforcement officers and also dispatchers that really the dispatcher is the lifeline to the officer who's out in the field. Uh, and when I say that, I mean it's it's very important that the officer be given the correct information. And uh, certainly you're responsible for that. And uh, it's hard for me to comprehend looking at five different computer screens. That is true. You can have a simple uh, call where you may have an unwanted guest and all of a sudden, you know, you have officers running emergency traffic and as a dispatcher you hear a gun go off. Then it is your duty to update them immediately. We have an armed suspect. Once you have the pertinent information, you also need to listen to the environment for the responding officers and the detectives to hear what's really going on at the scene. So, uh, again, you're acting as the eyes and the ears for the officer that's responding by giving them the best information you can to let them know the situation that they're they're going into. That That's correct. Tell us uh, what you did or keep the people calm so that they can think rationally and give you the information. What technique do you use? I think I just, I think I try to be a people person. I try to realize that, you know, if I was in that situation, I would need somebody to calm me down. And you cannot, you you have to have a calming, soothing voice as soon as you can to get those people down on a level to where you can obtain the right information that you need from them. If they're hysterical, you cannot get anything. You can't help them, and you can't help the responders going out. Uh, Do the other dispatchers become involved to some degree in the situation? Uh, Yes. Uh, You have, once we have a situation like that, your radio dispatcher, they are... uh, giving all the information that they need to the responding officers. Your fire radio dispatchers are, are telling the first responders we have an armed subject. Your uh, other dispatchers, they're running warrants check for this suspect to, to let them know, you know, if they have possible NCIC hit or if they're wanted wherever. They're obtaining a driver's license in case that the suspect flees. We can post that on the MDTs for the officers to see their driver's license to get a picture of the suspect they're looking for. It's versus, you know, a white male six foot two versus you have a driver's license with a photo ID. Well, it certainly uh, has to be a team effort, and this is uh, where all the training uh, comes into into play. And uh, I, I take it you, you still do this job for the police department, mm-hmm. and uh, you still have several people that are on duty at any given time, some for fire dispatch and as for uh, first responders in medical situations. Let let me ask you, uh, and I know every situation's different, every circumstance is different, but is there any particular type of, of call that you take that uh, is more stressful or more difficult for you personally? Personally, I really am sensitive to suicide callers because I feel like when people are contemplating suicide they are really reaching out they're reaching out for help and it's those people that you get to give them another opportunity 
for help. It's when someone commits suicide that you realize, I didn't get a chance to help them. Tell us how you deal with the stress that you encounter uh, in in your job. Well, I think that dealing with stress is something that you learn. It is something you have to learn because you cannot... If you do not get rid of the stress, you cannot get up the next day and help somebody else. If you're carrying that extra baggage, it will only weigh you down, and it will keep you from doing the best job that you can. Well, I know that uh, it is a very stressful job, and I know that you do your job very well. As we mentioned, you uh, won a commendation, and it is a very important role that you play. I know from working in my profession I took great pride in the ability to help people and I hear that in talking to you and it sounds like to me that you're the type person that every morning when you get up you know that you're going to a job where you have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life yes and that is very rewarding in itself Talk Radio, WGNS, putting the power of your free speech into action on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Good morning. We've seen a couple of accidents out here in the last 10, 15 minutes. Just give yourself extra time. Slow it down. Tons of radar. Last time we saw him running uh, somebody down a few minutes ago, trying to give them a ticket on 24 up by Medical Center Parkway. As you come out of uh, Coffee County in and through Rutherford County, that's still looking pretty good. Ripley's Aquarium and the Smokies will be hosting Sleep of the Sharks coming up March 28th. All the details now at Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Shut up and say. Lights at the Habitat Restore are already a bargain. Lights, lights, lights. But now through March 13th, they're 50% off that already low price. Rush to the Habitat Restore, 850 Mercury Boulevard. Shopping at the Restore. Lamps, fixtures, chandeliers, even light bulbs. Shopping at the Restore, yeah. Lights at the Habitat Restore are already a bargain. But now through Saturday, March 13th, they're 50% off that already low price. Shopping at the Restore, 850 yeah. Mercury Boulevard. When the weather's at its worst, we're at our best. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, TV 11. In January of 1980, the community of Christiana, Tennessee, suffered a tremendous loss. On that date... Retired postmaster and community icon, Fred Wiggs, was brutally murdered. His murder is our focus in this edition of our Cold Case Profile. Every homicide, every rape, every robbery affects the entire community. People who are victims of these crimes need closure. The people who committed these crimes must be held accountable. Law enforcement needs the community's help in seeking justice. Please listen as we review an unsolved mystery in this month's Cold Case Profile. It was just before 7 o'clock on the night of January the 16th, 1980, that Rutherford County Assistant Coroner Frank Griswold phoned the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. Griswold had called to report that Woodfin Funeral Home had been asked to respond to Wiggs Lane in Christiana, Tennessee, 
the nature of the call to pick up a dead body. Coroner Griswold also requested that a detective respond to the scene. Detective Ron Roney and Deputy Eddie Bowman soon arrive at the scene. There, they find the body of Fred Wiggs. Fred Wiggs's body was located in the backyard of his home. The detectives quickly realized that Fred Wiggs was the victim of foul play. While processing the crime scene, Detective Roney found several pieces of wood that he believed were used to kill Fred Wiggs. Fred Wiggs was 70 years old. He had recently retired from his position as postmaster of Christiana, Tennessee. Over the years, and despite reward offers and keen public interest, this case remains unsolved. Why Fred Wiggs was killed continues to be a mystery. His killer or killers remain at large. The Rutherford County Sheriff's Office is once again asking for your help. If you have information regarding the murder of Fred Wiggs, please call the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. The number to call is 615-904-3038. That number again is 615-904-3038. Unsolved murder cases never close. Murder victims are never forgotten, and people who commit murder should never escape justice. For 80 years, Roscoe Brown has been the trusted name in heating, cooling, and plumbing for Middle Tennessee homeowners and businesses. Throughout the years, our number one goal has been to accurately assess your HVAC and plumbing systems. With four locations in Middle Tennessee, we provide 24-7 assistance by calling 1-888-MY-ROSCOE. Turn to the experts at Carrier and Roscoe Brown. People you know, a name you trust. RoscoeBrown.com. Roscoe Brown. RoscoeBrown.com. We got some good neighbors and we like bragging on them. Nominate a good neighbor every day. Put it in writing on WGNS. WGNS. AM. AM. FM. FM. Online. I would like to take this time to announce that on many of our future broadcasts, we will present a new segment of the program. The segment will be called Profiles in Criminal Justice. Profiles in Criminal Justice will highlight the life, the career, and the extraordinary sacrifices and contributions of a person who has served in our community as a criminal justice professional. The person could be a police officer, a district attorney, a public defender, a judge, or anyone else who has served our community as a criminal justice professional, and who is truly deserving of special recognition as a profile in criminal justice. All that's news with Matt Lane, weekday afternoon. Station. Rutherford County's place to talk. 
Partial sunshine develops here for this afternoon with a high in the low 50s. Winds out of the northeast of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy and a low near 30. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 37. As we end our program today, we thank our producer, Nick Cohen. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, April the 2nd at 8, 10 a.m. on your good neighbor station, WGNS. We leave by saying a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my co-host, Jennings Jones, this is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day. The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.